This is season two, episode 25 of my podcast, Feeling Forwards. And I am so excited to have my dear friend, Greg Voison on the program today. And um, where do I start with describing him? He's a thought leader in personal growth and human potential movement. He's a founder of the Inside Personal Growth Movement as well with the podcast of the same name. And I've been podcasting for a little while, but I certainly haven't interviewed authors and thought leaders reaching over 860 episodes like Greg has. So he's a doyen of the podcast world as well. And as well as being a noted philanthropist, Greg also has a coaching and advisory business called Illuminate, working with a number of associates and providing services in the business advisory, succession planning, as well as entrepreneurial consulting. But today we are talking about Greg's other role as an author, and I have been so excited to read his book, (laughs) Hacking the Gap, The Journey from Intuition to Innovation and Be My Plug. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Greg. Thank you, Ali. I appreciate uh, being on with you and uh, greetings to you in Melbourne from San Diego. Yeah, San Diego, one of my favourite places in the States, and I I will be there soon, I I promise. Now, there's so much to talk about in this book because it's not only a a fantastic guide for anyone who's currently in business, um, any entrepreneurs, and, in fact, anyone wanting to start a new project, and what I particularly loved about it is that you didn't talk about the beginning and the end of the journey. You spent a lot of time about the middle of the journey, which I'm very passionate about because that's not only when the rubber hits the road, but also when a lot of people can get disheartened and not listen to their intuition as the book suggests. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about um, the gap, um, hacking as you d- define it, in a technical way in the book, is about finding ways to achieve our ultimate dreams and goals in a shorter period of time with less resistance while in the process have the experiences and personal growth required to make the journey meaningful and enjoyable. So, Greg, how would you describe hacking the gap um, in a broader um, meaning than this and why are you so passionate about how important it is in both your professional and personal life? Well. For one, I think that people spend a lot more time and a lot of their energy focusing on things that are not getting them any closer to their goal or their aspirations. And the the purpose of the book, the reason we say hacking the gap, is to reduce the time frame that it takes for individuals to actually achieve that. Now, the book isn't 100% just about that. But when you take all the pieces and you put it together and you look at my kind of have a chart in the book and I can show your listeners, you know, that's going to be hard for them to see. But mine is that if you look at all the great leaders in time uh, and you look at even current leaders and business people, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Um, the list goes on, Jeff Bezos. If you typed in Google today and you said, quotes on intuition, almost every one of those individuals will talk to you about how they used intuition in business. And intuition is really listening deeply within. So what I believe is this is as much a spiritual journey as it is the journey around them building a business and hiring employees and money and all of that. 
And when you look at the ones that have really done it quite successfully, you look at uh, uh, Amazon, it's less than 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And you say now it is the biggest company in the world. He is the richest man. I use him. If you look at Apple, another great example. Yes, it's been around a little bit longer. But the reality is you see um, where if you looked at Ford Motor and you said, well, how long has Ford been around? Well, Henry Ford started in the early 1920s. And here we are now 100 years later. We're over 120 years later. Yes, the company is still going, but you don't have near the successes that you've seen. Now, part of that, people would say, well, Greg, that's because of the digital world and everything has shifted. But it's not just the digital world. It's the actual mindset of the individuals behind the organization who have actually seen and experienced that. And so this book at one helps people understand that if they want to accelerate the process, if they want to use their insight and their ideas and their inspiration and their incubation and ignition and innovation and implementation, they're all I words. And the reason they're I words is the none for alliteration. People like that. But to every one of those things in the cycle are part of somebody taking a business from point A to point B and doing it at an accelerated rate and doing it while learning because everybody's going to make mistakes. They're not going to get it right the first time and their personal growth and heightened awareness will occur as a result of the mistakes they make and how not to make those again. So I wrote it for people who are saying, Hey, I've made a lot of mistakes. I'd really not like, I don't want to do that anymore. Can you help us navigate the terrain? Yes, and one of the, the the aspects of intuition which you explored, which I love, you touched on just then, is not being letting your intuition get crushed by comparison. And it's so interesting that you you, you mentioned these these great business or great business creators that we have at the moment. And I'm sure at one point when they were talking about the, what they wanted to do, they were told by someone maybe someone close to them, it'll never work, Um, you won't dominate the market, no one's done this before, are you sure this is a good idea? But they listened to their intuition and they were able to carry on through. And you talk a lot in the book about um, not letting comparison crush or or destroy your intuition. Is that that something that you think is a sign of a, a great leader? Well, I think as I wrote in the book, you have, I I used an analogy, if you remember, of a radio and tuning the dial in. And I think from a spiritual standpoint, um, many people will say, well, I'm not spiritual. It's all scientific. And I'll say, well, then have you ever had an intuitive moment uh, where you didn't go this way and then you learned something happened? Uh, You didn't get on the plane or or you made a gut, you had a gut feeling, because it can be auditory, it can be visual, you can be kinesthetic, you can feel it. There's different ways that intuition, but if you are actually in touch with your feelings, you know, feeling forwards, uh, your emotions, right? These actual, these actual feelings that you get are something to act on and not allow the ego to repress. Now, The bigger question is discernment. 
Can you discern between what actually intuition is and maybe something that you've made up in your head that you are trying to do? And there is a big difference. Yes, because there's a difference between um, the chatter of your thoughts and that still quiet voice that says something and you absolutely know you have to listen to that voice. I mean, you're not only writing about um, intuition and and taking action from that through your your eight steps, which you detail really beautifully in the book, but in your personal journey as well, you've had moments where you have acted on intuition to to keep going. And I um, we've spoken. You were kind enough to interview me about my book, Healing Forwards, but I hadn't before I read this book really been aware of your personal story, which is in, incredibly powerful. I mean, what aspects of your your, your personal journey can you can you share in this context but also how has your intuition uh, guided you you through some very challenging times well I think it's really it's the learning lessons a lot of people call them failures but the numbers of learning lessons I've had um, and again I will say that because you can feel forwards. And when you start to use what you talk about, and this is a great plug for you, and then actually move forward with those emotions, right, you literally can change your life. And so my personal experience has been one of many failures, financial and otherwise, a son that had leukemia, another son that was extremely challenging, uh, difficulties in my marriage. It, it goes on and on and on. But no one ever said that, that this wasn't a learning ground that we're in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you write in your book, your lessons are far more, in my estimation, um, have challenged to have dealt with. But we're all dealt with it. Yes. And it's really how we choose to perceive what we're, what it's trying to teach us. If we look at it at each time that it's really teaching us something versus looking at it going, wow, I'm going to blame somebody for what happened to me and not take responsibility for the choice I made, right? Pretty simple one, very simple theory, very simple thought. But in reality, that's it because there is no one else except you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there is no one else that you can blame. So in my personal story, it's been the ups and downs in business. It's been the ups and downs in life. It's been having a sick child. It's been having a child that was very challenging to deal with, who actually ended up um, uh, having a big challenge with the authorities. Um, And so, you know, you can look at this any way you want, but all of those very painful experiences lead to outcomes that you did the time you didn't think you might get through. But you did get through it. And you got through it the other side. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to impart on people that read this book is that if you just read carefully about listening to your gut about what to do, that intuition is only one of them. But if you if you just took that one and said, well, that's one that I'm going to start working on and developing and listening and feeling and acting upon, uh, you would find that very interesting things would start to manifest in your life. 
Mm. And I love that at the end of each section, you have some ideas on how to absorb what was learned in that chapter into your life. And there is right. some great ideas about how to reflect, how to take the information internally, because I think one of the challenges at the moment in business is that it can be so fast-paced and can be so visual and you can feel so so crowded and overwhelmed that you forget to stop and listen to that that voice in, inside. Um, but another eye I really loved, and, um, you, of course, you, you know my love of, of um, how emotions drive our decisions and our behaviours was about harnessing the energy of inspiration and how to sustain that when the going gets tough. What advice do you have about attracting and retaining a sense of inspiration when you're an entrepreneur? It's a... Uh... It's a very important point that you bring up and that I brought up in the book. There's a true definition difference between, to me, motivation and inspiration. So because of my background in spiritual psychology, I believe that inspiration is a higher powered inspired. Um, You access inspiration just like you access intuition. It's It's a power that's not outside of you, but it's a power that you could bring into you. So the word is from within. The Greek word is that it comes from within. Whereas motivation is frequently an outside thing. It's something that somebody is pushing you to kind of do, to, to motivate you. And I love this quote. And I actually turned this page 68 in the book. And imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world stimulating progress, giving birth to evolution. Now, for the business owners that read this book, that's Albert Einstein. And here's the gentleman who was scientifically based, but very spiritual based. And he recognized the forces beyond science that were out in the universe. And I think we live in a world today that is demanding more creativity and innovation from people. That creativity and innovation comes from people being inspired and being on purpose and knowing their why and knowing why they're doing it, the problems. But the big problems that we can solve, whether they're within our own business or within nonprofits or in the world, come from individuals who know how to tap inspiration, know how to take that and turn it into innovation know how to take that and turn it into a passion project. And then after they turn that into a passion project, develop goals around it, and then have the grit and determination to actually see it through. Mm. Because the reality is you can have all those great things, those feelings, and the emotions, all the things that you want to have with it. But to actually get it done, there was a great book written that I quoted in here from uh, Barnett Bain called The Book of Doing and Being. And it's called Rediscovering Creativity in Life, Love, and Work. And I kind of really liked what Barnett said. Uh, He said, the reason we tend to draw the line, the line is because we have inherited those lines and perspectives. And we are products of our families, peer groups, schools, entertainment streams, and religion. But we're shaped by the movies, TV shows, songs, and news bites, stories, and art forms offered by us to other people, expressions of the tragedies and triumphs that seem to dictate uh, the reach of our imagination. Mm. 
So he's saying you're programmed, right? Some call this structured imagination, which is our unconscious adoption of other people's thinkings, feelings, beliefs, and values. Uh, we are mostly unaware that we have acquired a hand-me-down worldview. And I think that kind of actually sums that up because you have to be your own person. You don't really understand even the biases that you're uh, working with under. You've been hijacked. Okay. Yes. And so to access that, you need to move beyond that. Well, I love that section you wrote on being and doing. That really struck me. And I think that almost loops back into your concept of uh, inspiration and motivation because really we can, we can motivate ourselves or we can be motivated by others to do something that's not necessarily um, good for us. So, for example, you can be motivated to go and, and keep working in a job you really don't like. Um, right. But still call yourself motivated, whereas being inspired is is completely different and i the the being and doing um that distinction i i made a note of to to explore further but when you talk about inspiration it seems to me and um, i know that you do some incredible coaching work through illuminate but it's not in an organizational sense or uh, in the structure you can't have one person inspired you have to actually then have that inspiration um cascade down because then people are being the corporate vision rather than just doing or carrying carrying out the corporate vision is that something that you found very satisfying in your work yes because you know look it it kind of starts from the top down and the people in the top of the organization if they get the understanding around developing a why and a purpose they also realize how important that is and if they can then recruit the people that believe in that why and that their why and values and beliefs align with that. That's a secret for success. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, people will say, well, you have to be accountable in organizations because you're working for someone else. Yeah, you're accountable to a project or initiative or whatever. But at the same time, that accountability, if it's aligned with the, your own purpose and the cor- corporate purpose, you now have autonomy, right? I say accountability leads to autonomy because you get freedom as a result of that. And nowhere else can you get that freedom until you actually experience having aligned values, aligned beliefs, aligned purpose within an organization with people that are aligned. And you want to talk about propelling something forward. It really moves quite rapidly. Okay. It, it really does. Yes. I know that uh, I wrote this once, and I think I put it in the book, um, but people were kind of afraid of Steve Jobs. It was like, oh, he, you know, you see all the stories. He was just this tough guy, and, and he was. But on the other hand, when he would go into a room of programmers, he would say, including myself, you leave your ego at the door. Because the only way we're going to accomplish this common goal of developing a piece of software or developing anything is if we all come in this brain trust together and we aren't letting our ego drive that. We're not hijacking the the chip. Yes, no, I agree with that. And I see, I see that also with, with some entrepreneurs that their, their ego can overtake them when they've, 
fail to inspire anyone that resembles a customer in their product. And it's like, yeah, I know you, I know you believe in it, but you actually have to find a customer who, who will buy from you. And that's where um, inspiration and ego collide and it, it doesn't have a great result. <laughs> so um, go ahead. No, so um in, in your own um, experience, what are the three tools from hacking the gap? And I know you, you share so many tools, but when, when the gap seems, the, the gap between um, inspiration and, and outcome seems so broad and it seems like a, a very deep chasm, what are a couple of tools or strategies you can suggest from the book that will help bridge that gap or hack the gap? Well, I, I, you know, I know you said that in, you know, there are so many at, e- at the end of each chapter, like you had mentioned earlier, there is a list that I give and I do that on purpose, but I'll just note some of them. One is to relax and unwind. One is meditation. And I won't go into all of the these. I will kind of make a list of these. I call something the silent solution, which is something people should practice uh, every day. That's giving themselves 30 minutes to just be in silence. Uh, the steps I outlined in the book. And one of those is to do a brain dump. We call it a brain dump. I didn't coin that. That was David Allen. Um, He literally says, you know, take everything that you think you have to get done, all of the planes that are circling above and you're the air traffic controller and find the most important one that you really want to focus on today. Okay. Um, The world is always a distraction. There's distractions everywhere. Uh, instant messages, phone calls, emails, whatever it is that we have to do. But you got to take a break from it, right? These are very simple little things, but these are things that everybody can learn from and practice. Um, learn to cl- take clues from nature. And what I mean by that is if you're using your intuition, and it's not always just nature, it can be stuff when you're driving your car and you see a sign. And I say, listen to those signs, right? Because they're trying to tell you something especially if at that point you're actually focused on it and something uh, it, it gets catches your eye. So let's say it's a billboard and there's something in that billboard you see, or it's a stop sign mm-hmm. and you see it and it keeps coming up. For me, what comes up for me a lot is 111 or 1111, which if in numerology, it means your angels are with you. You're being guided. It's in, you're going in the right direction. Okay. The other one would be to eliminate the stress. Um, that's the biggest killer of ideas is stress. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to use your imagination, you don't want to be stressed out. You want to be as relaxed as possible to tap into that universal energy that I was talking about, that it comes from the intuition that actually inspires the imagination that then helps to create or manifest whatever it is that you're trying to get in your life. So One, I would say it's not always just meditation. There's a lot of people listening to this don't meditate. It's really just silent time. It's time to think. Um, I love what Stephen Covey Sr. said, and it was something he said at Franklin Covey frequently. And he said, um, thinking is a viable business opportunity. Now, we're all so busy that we spend very little time thinking. And the reality is taking that time to think is extremely a good, viable business opportunity. Um, Those are some of them. 
But if you actually get into my book, every chapter probably has, I don't know, there's probably 10 at the end of each chapter that I point out. Uh, Take a full day per week to become recluse and do the deep work. That's from Cal Newport. I can't take credit for that. Focus on four disciplines of execution. Focus on the wildly important goal. Act on lead measures. Keep a compelling scorecard and create a cadence of accountability. Always be authentic to yourself and others. Have daily routines and rituals that support your personal performance and mental health. Be here now. Ram Dass. Not me. Ram Dass. Actually, it sits here on my desk every day. Be here now. (laughs) Okay? Be present. People know when you're not present. They know when your mind has wandered off. Everybody's so busy with the phone or the this or the that. They're not there. They're not with them. So stay focused and concentrated on solving the problem and creating new opportunities. You can't force flow. I'll give Steve, uh, Stephen Kotler credit because it's the flow genome project. Hmm. Uh, you can create an environment and circumstances that allow you to have flow more often, but you can't force flow. Create the type of environment that fosters you're attaining a flow state where it is a merger of action and awareness. Hire someone to facilitate a matrix, define your purpose, your vision, and I'm going to say your wildly important goal. Know the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Encourage team participation, inclusion, develop ideas. And last one, don't buy into your struggle story. Rewrite it with a story filled with synchronicity, collaboration, fun, and happiness. Yes, I mean, there is so so much there, but um, with uh, forcing flow, you can't be in flow while you're distracted and removing distractions. I love that you talk about silence um, as an alternative or an addition to meditation because some people find meditation either very difficult or they they see it's something is very onerous to fit into their lives but you can you can take take a walk in silence with no screens no music um, and, and just reflect and embrace that and I also really I enjoyed reading about your ones and elevens because it's apart from it's it, forces you or engages you um, with looking at the the world around you, but it also keeps you present because if you're looking out for a sign or a signal, it means you're not distracted by something else because that then becomes your focus, which leads to flow. And there are so many options for everyone at the end of each chapter. So no matter what your your style of reflecting or preparing yourself, there there is a choice there. And I think that makes the, the structure of the book very powerful. Yeah. And I, you know, I think uh, taking off on uh, Stephen Kotler, and I, I repeat this a lot because I think, you know, from the neuro- neurobiological standpoint, we didn't know a lot of this if you go back even 10 years, but we've mm-hmm. come so far to understand how pliable our mind is and how pliable it can be and how we can continue learning into later years. Um, but the most important thing is, you know, is focus is given to you for free. Everybody has a choice to focus. Um, Mm. And then the next thing he says in the string of that is from focus, you you can learn to find a passion. Find the similarities between three passions in your life. Then after you define the passion, you then can now easily define your purpose because you know there might be a connection between three purpose. So now you've got a purpose and it's around those passions. And after you do the purpose, 
you now then define the goals because everybody says, well, so where are the goals? So you create the goals and the proximal goals, the big goals, the little goals, the wildly important goals. And after you do that, you're like saying, okay, great. I, I can launch this product. I have this new idea. I have this thing. We're going to go do it. But the reality is if you burn all your energy off in the process of just trying to stay in that path, and most entrepreneurs do this, they find themselves with burnt up energy. And they find themselves going, wow, I got to take one more step. I don't know if I can do it. That's where grit and determination comes in. That's where you really have to see it through to the end. To take it in, in my steps, it's the energy management, then it's the innovation, and then it's the implementation. Because the hardest step is from the uh, uh, imagination of creating it and actually the innovation to the implementation. Hardest one on the clock, it's from, uh, that one is from uh, 10 to 11, and then it's 11 to 12 back to uh, intuition. But yes. that's really that's really one of the tougher ones to do. And the people that exceed at that, they exceed usually with tremendous focus, dedication, and they're in the flow. Yes, and as you move as you move from each step to the next, you also have that element of bringing earlier emotions and tools into it. Like as each step unfolds, you're going to need to be re-inspired and re-engaged, and to an extent repurposed as you as you move through the journey. So, so yeah. the structure is is really really easy to follow. There are yeah. so many quotes and commentaries in the book, Greg, but can you think of a concept or a quote that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? A quote, well, maybe I should leave you with my own quote. And I think that's, you know, that if you focus on staying present now and only doing the next best thing. I forget who wrote the book, but it's the five second rule. We can get so distracted, right? Yeah. By the things around us that we can then lose the energy to actually go do the next best thing. And I think each and every day, as we make decisions, however important they might be, hiring people, firing people, uh, uh, getting rid of a product, adding a new product, whatever they are. The, if you look at it from a standpoint of how many lives you impact, how many people you impact every day by what you say, how you say it, and how you implement what it is that you do. So I would say, look at that, stay present, use whatever practice you want. One thing I don't do is I don't tell people, I make suggestions. Mm-hmm. These are things you can try. And I think try something new every day that takes you out of your comfort zone. Just something very simple that will move you out of your comfort zone. Um, Many of us take it. And then the last thing would be about fear. Don't allow fear to grip you. Allow fear not to constrict or constrict. Um, Use it as a mechanism to propel and move forward. Yes, great advice. You can't cover every step every day, but you can do the next step really well and being completely present. And sometimes it sounds so trite, Ellie. I mean, people say, well, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. You can never hear it enough. Um, And the reason I keep doing 890 shows 
is because the message can never be enough from people like yourself because at some point the light bulb goes on. It's almost like Joseph Campbell, you know, and the hero's journey. Hmm. Some point around the bend, you're going to run into the trouble and then there's going to be a person there that's going to help you out of it. And then you're going to swing back through again. And when we look at our life, our life is the hero's journey. Yes. And the middle of the hero's journey is always a bit tough and there is always a gap. But thankfully, there is your book to help us through that. And yours. (laughs) 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 Feeling forwards could probably do a lot more for people. Uh, I had a friend come by when your books came and I said, you know, I, I was going to give these out to all the people that I work with that are homeless or whatever. I said, but you need this. Here's a cup of feeling for you. It goes, Oh, fantastic. I'm going to go read it. So there you go. Oh, thank you. That's lovely. And I always, I always love hearing stories of how my book was received as well. It's been a delight to interview you today, Greg. And um, what I love about hacking the gap is for anyone who's feeling that they're in the gap and they need a hand, you can dip in and dip out of the book. Um, Depending on what stage you're at, read it for cover to cover, but it's a book that you'll keep coming back to and learning. Easy read. You can probably read it on a two-hour plane ride. Yes. The question is, can you implement what's in it in a two-day, two-month, two-year, 20-year cycle? And the reality is there's uh, such wisdom from so many people in here, not just myself, uh, that I'd say read it, reread it, and try and practice some of the principles. Yes, and do it because that's the difference between doing and being. Greg, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll stay in touch, and I know my listeners will have enjoyed this interview today. Thank you. Namaste to you.